0: Welcome to First Time Through,
1: New Eyes on Castle Rock, Season 2.
0: I'm Kim Payne,
1: and I'm Otto Mullins. This is our podcast chronicling our journeys through the Stephenverse. First time through *New Eyes on Castle Rock*. My name is Otto Mullins,
0: and I'm Kim Payne.
1: And this is our first time through pages 290 through 646 of the great, great yarn that is the novel *It*.
0: Yeah, I think that that leads us up to the beginning of the third interlude. Chapter
1: 12. So it's the beginning. That's the end of chapter 12.
0: Yeah, the end of chapter 12, the, oof, that next section. Mm. The <laughs>
1: third interlude?
0: The third interlude, and the after that, it just, it goes, oh, the speed just picks up tremendously. You're going right, to, it's, like right. it's like a roller coaster from here on out.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I don't mind the speed of it. I enjoy the, like, separation of the action and the way that it does it. It's just that, like... You know, I just finished reading some of it this morning. I finished reading the little, their walkabouts. And Richie's walkabout is, it's hard to be scared of the scary parts because the parts that aren't scary are just so extraneous. And there's just so much, like, going on in his head that you just can't even focus on, like, what else is going on that's scaring him.
0: Well, but I think that that is intentional because I think that that's part of who Richie is as a person. And that's the way he's been portrayed through the whole thing.
1: Uh, And I don't know. Maybe that's like part of it, too, is, you know, Richie's. We'll we'll get into that part more. We will. We will. Um, We'll get into the details. And that's like right at the end of what we're going to be talking about. Um, But to you and not to like the podcast and everything. I do think, though, that like 400 pages, we will have to. Um not be too
0: right no we're gonna have yeah. to there's yeah. some things we're gonna have to just kind of yeah
1: go over but i mean and i don't think that like yeah the important stuff that's here to go over though is really cool and it's important it is um yeah. so i figured uh we can just get started with a little bit of a recap sounds good so for these chapters and pages of it um a lot of it the first, I think, four or five chapters all are continued in the exact same fashion that we've been getting accustomed to. That is a frame story, you know, started off from the adult's point of view and then they fall asleep on a plane or they fall asleep on the hotel or they have a flashback memory while they're passing through something while they're driving on a long stretch of road. And, and it's all very much the same. They have this trauma in their brains that they can't remember. And as they're traveling back into town, they are starting to slowly unravel it. Um, And all of their stories happen around the same time in 1957, 1958. Uh, All the kids they are building this dam together. And while they're kids, we get to meet Richie and Stan as children. Um, And then we also get to meet another kid named Bradley. Bradley's not important. And they hate Bradley, and it was just funny that they kept bringing up Bradley because they just really didn't like him. So I thought it was important that we brought him up to mention that we don't like Bradley, gang. Just yeah, as a don't like as Bradley. a group, no one likes Bradley. So remember that uh, and go forward and prosper. Um, so as they finish their dam, uh, they enjoy the day together. They sit down and. Bill starts to talk about his experiences with IT. As he shares his experiences, they decide to all share their experiences and they decide something needs to be done and that they're going to kill it. Bill and Richie begin to investigating, uh, into, begin to begin investigate looking into Georgie's picture book and to the house on Kneebolt Street. Both investigations lead to the same conclusion that everyone is kind of telling the truth about a monster terrorizing the town. As they discover these things as children, their adult counterpoints are also getting into town and they are meeting up together. While they meet up together, they have a really fantastic lunch, um, and it's, it's a very nostalgic, fun part to read, uh, and I really enjoyed it a lot. They have their lunch, and they decide that Mike's now... Mike it's almost is like now, going to a
0: class reunion.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of how it's uh, described, that they just... They talk about uh, how they haven't... What is it? He's like, you get to see whose teeth has fallen out and who doesn't have hair anymore. Right. Um, Mike has kind of become the de facto leader as they get together as adults because he's been the one in town the whole time and kind of has a semblance. and He has, he has these, uh, you know, inklings of what's going on.
0: He, he so, holds the memories.
1: Yeah, exactly. He never had to lose them as part of the deal to fight Pennywise. Instead, he got to, you know, become the librarian and uh, live a relatively happy life here in town. Um, So as they go on these uh, walkabouts during this section, we only get to read about three of them. Um, The three of them have some very close run ins with Pennywise. Or is it three or is it four of them?
0: Let's see. We get Ben and Bev. And Bill. And Bill.
1: Yeah, just three. So we get three of them.
0: And Richie.
1: Oh yeah, and Richie's. we get four. So we get four of them. Four of the sev- six. So or seven is what it should be. Four of the seven. Um, but regardless, we get four of them, and then um, and they all have some very close run-ins with Pennywise. And our section today concludes with uh, Stephen giving us a small reminder that there are other players in this story.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, that is kind of what we covered in what is it. Three hundred. Three three hundred and sixty pages or so Oof, yeah that, that's a lot to read we did a good job high five to us Woo-hoo! nice um so uh what are do you have any like first responses like rereading this again or thinking through this again
0: well this you know we've talked about this a lot I've read this book a lot and Every time I read through it, I pick up something new. Like this time, it happened to stick out to me that as uh, Richie is getting into dairy, uh, he's listening to WZON radio. And that is uh, the man bringing himself into the book because he and Tabitha own that radio station. In Bangor. Like, in real life. That. IRL.
1: <laughs> well, I wonder if it existed before they owned it. It did. So, it did, like, but
0: they've owned it for a long time.
1: Yeah, it's just cool that, like, self-fulfilling fulfilling prophecy almost. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, I definitely feel that this is a prequel to the book uh, The Stand, uh, which is great. Uh, it's pretty fun. I think that... You know, once the more and more stuff that we read, the more and more I see like a central, like, plot, like, timeline for a lot of these novels playing out. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and as, and the more we read, the more you'll find. There are a lot. This is another, this is another touchpoint book. Mm -hmm. There's crossover here. And so, you know, um, there's a couple things in the next section that I'm like, Oh yeah, I hadn't noticed that before, but the, the radio station really stuck out to me this time. And, um, well, as
1: someone like coming through it for the first time, it's just, it's long. Uh, some parts of it are a slog to get through. We were talking about that a little bit, uh, right before we got started. Um, I think some parts of it are just really, really dated. And some parts of it are really fueled by drug addiction and cocaine. Yeah, um, and I, yeah, because this,
0: you know, this was one of the books in that deal. This one and Tommyknockers and uh, Misery all came out right together. Yeah, this was kind of the the last of the the serious cocaine books.
1: Yeah, I just this one's and and during this section too, like we'll get to it a little bit. The the narrative issues don't get worse, but they they don't get better. They, it kind of becomes a little bit more consistent. It, it's very... The one thing that just doesn't make sense to me is it feels like Mike should just be the person writing this whole book, but then it gets to these parts where it's like, here's what resident Mike Hanlon has to say. And yeah, it's but, like, but then that would just would...
0: make... That would make Mike omniscient. And this story is really told from... So it's it's seven different individuals, experience so i mean you can't wait make one of those seven individuals omniscient
1: no i completely agree and that's part of why like the uh, the narrative the narrative like through way of the whole story is just that's one of the negatives for it for me yeah um but i and i think that that's the thing is like the story is really cool i think it's really interesting i think that pennywise is super cool the less i know about him honestly (laughs) yeah Um,
0: when when he's a mystery he's much cooler
1: yeah and the more like these little details that i find out and i'm just like okay like that's kind of lame but like okay we'll see what it gets happens with it um i really enjoy parts of his character a lot um and parts of it just uh don't make a lot of sense to me yeah and I think that that's, that was one of the things that I've enjoyed about this book a lot. I will say no matter what I have to say about this, take this away before we go into this commercial break. I enjoy the hell out of this book. It is incredible. And no matter how incredibly convenient it is to find a bicycle in a pawn shop so many years later. <laughs> I do think, though, that like this pawn shop is like, is this pawn shop in another book? Can you just say yes or no to that question? It's not. Oh, dang. Okay. Do you know, I was thinking it was going to be like the pawn shop and needful things or something like that. I knew
0: exactly what you were thinking, but no. See,
1: because if that was the case and it was like, oh yeah, we have a magic pawn shop that magically has this bike from 28 years ago, then I would have been like, yeah, this is all making a lot of sense. But now it's just like, yep, nope, this is a bike. But
0: you still have like 500 pages to read.
1: Yeah, true. I know. Like, we'll, we'll see. So there, just
0: because you don't see the purpose of it now doesn't mean that there is not oh, a purpose. I, I see the purpose <laughs> of him
1: getting the bicycle again. Like, I get the purpose of that. I just, like, incredibly convenient that, like, it just happened to be just, at this pawn shop. Right. But we'll get into that here in a moment, and let's go into... Uh, we got a, a couple of things to tell you about, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's November. We're through Halloween. Um, Happy Halloween, by the way. Kim, did you do anything cool for Halloween?
0: Not really. Didn't dress up or anything this year. Super weird.
1: Same. It sucked. It was awful. Man, being an
0: adult is sucky. Yeah, I was really (laughs) excited,
1: though. This was the first year that I've ever stayed home to, like, hand out candy for trick-or-treaters. And uh, we got two. Uh, Except the first one, uh, Onyx was so excited that she scared them away. So oh, we only no. we only truly got one, uh, but I did give those, uh, it was a group of sisters, the two of them, and I gave them a lot of candy.
0: Well, I bet they were really happy with that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure they were, because uh, I also could not keep it all because I would have eaten too much. Yeah. Um, yeah. I still have candy from our booth at the beginning of October, so. Uh,
0: me too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, too much candy. And, you know, eventually I will eat it all because that's yeah. what I do.
1: But uh, as we go into the holidays, it is the shopping season. Uh, and so we thought we would do a fun little special on our incredible pint glasses, handmade by Kim Payne. Woo. I'm giving her a hand because they're handmade. But um, <laughs> they're really incredible. They're really cool. I have one in front of me. I uh, have one that I keep. I have it in my uh, shelf that I use for... Uh, sparkling juice because I'm fancy like that. And then I have one that I keep on my desk to hold my pens and stuff because I am the opposite of fancy like that. And uh, we're doing a special for them. Normally they're 15 bucks, but we're going to give out four of them for 30 bucks um, and plus shipping. So however much it costs for us to ship it to you, uh, we'll figure it out. Uh, but you can get a hold of us on Facebook or at firsttimethroughpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, we'll get you hooked up with a set of pint glasses for you and the family. And right. it would
0: be a nice Christmas gift.
1: Mm-hmm. Somebody, you know, you and your family can drink beer and the kids can drink chocolate milk out of it all at the same time. It's like Christmas morning uh, together. And we just got to put like little jingle bells on the side. So this is like Christmas. There we go. Or Thanksgiving. Like we'll put turkeys on them. Torkies and footballs. <laughs> Torkies. Torkies Tork- and footballs. Torkies and American footballs. So this is an international podcast. We got to remind ourselves. Um, That's right. Oh my gosh, Onyx just spooked me so badly. Ah, <laughs> ah, okay, spooky um,
0: podcast, spooky dog.
1: Honestly, nah, she shouldn't be so spooky. Um, but pick up our pint glasses; they're really fantastic. I'm very happy with them. Check us out on Patreon. We are going to be looking at how we can, like, revamp it. We want to make sure we can bring it. But right now, if you do subscribe, um, we're still going to be honoring all of the things that it says. So, you know, I think you can get stickers, you can get pint glasses, you can get T-shirts. And uh, it's a pretty cool way to get some exclusive merch that won't be available once we figure out our merchandising store and everything.
0: And it's a really great way to give us a little bit, little bit of financial support, and you know Uh we use that to cover Uh our expenses, and you know we've made some improvements, gotten new microphones and things like that. So you know every little bit helps.
1: We're really hoping to, uh, if we get the chance, to uh, open up our own website, um, so that way we can not only uh, have a place to sell these things, but. With our own website, we can also start to create more projects as well, uh, which would be super exciting. And we'd love a chance to share more of our uh, ideas with all of you because our ideas are pretty good. Um, But last but not least, the most important thing that you can do right now, or there's two very important things that you can do right now. First one, if whatever podcast listener that you use to listen, Amazon, Google, Spotify, Apple, or on pretty much everything, subscribe, follow, rate, and give us a comment wherever you can. Uh, Any of that engagement is going to help us. It's going to boost any of our traffic. We are improving, and our numbers are improving. We're up 300% this last month alone. Um, And, you know, I do think it's a big part in the horror convention, but I also think it's a big part just because we have really cool listeners that talk about us a lot. I see Jake say something about our podcast every other day in different forums, and it's amazing, and it makes me cry no matter where I am um yep. so
0: it makes me super happy every time i see our uh, see it pop up that it's not one of us it makes me real happy
1: yeah so go ahead uh, so please 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 uh engage in that way subscribe rate uh and to review our podcast wherever you can and, last and but tell not your least, friends about us yeah, yeah yeah spread worth word of mouth is worth so much it's worth its weight in gold well, i guess it's worth more than its weight in gold because its weight is nothing um so, sorry, just a little bit of a smart ass immediately um last but not least, the one of the best like most fun free things that you can do to uh help us out is to go over to Facebook and give our page a follow and a like there you can get involved with conversations that we have on our bookmarks where we talk about different uh um, things, different things that we have going on, different ideas. Uh, the next bookmark that we're gonna do, we're uh, hoping to talk about your everyone's biggest fear and you know wh- what is your biggest fear and do you know why it's your biggest fear? I think that's an interesting thing to think about. You know, everybody seems to know like why they're scared what they're scared of. but do you remember the like inciting like incident that made you scared of that thing forever? And I think that that's something that like we're gonna get into in it too is a lot of these adult moments that they're scared of like you can see like the things that scared them in their childhood that like planted these seeds mm-hmm so uh we'll look up for those posts kim's posted it twice now which is great because we've started realizing we can post things more than once and then talk about all of the responses but make sure you go and talk uh and uh talk to tell us what you're reading i'm reading chasing the boogeyman by richard chismer and I'm going to talk about that in the comments there. So uh, just make sure if you've read that or if you have any interesting thoughts on that, go there. Uh, I'm also reading it in one piece. I will always be reading one piece forever until it ends. Um, and so we talk about all those things during the bookmark. So please check those out. Those are really fun, too. Um, and, uh, yeah, help us get some more uh, feedback on, Patreon, we, or on Facebook. We had a really great idea thrown our way. By a longtime listener who said that we should do episodes revisiting um, or at bookmarks essentially revisiting books based on what our viewers think about those books and what they have to say about them. Um, Mm -hmm. So uh, we're going to be looking at doing some stuff about the stand. So if you have an interesting thing to say about the stand or something that we wish we would have covered a little bit more in the stand, um, let us know. You can t- let us know on Facebook, or you can let us know at first time through podcast at gmail.com. Kim, do you have anything else you want to tell any- everybody about? Anything else you need to say? Get off. I heart. don't.
0: I don't think so. I think that that's. I, I think we've covered all the things. I am dying to get into <laughs> the rest <laughs> of this book because okay. you know I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. This was my favorite book. So
1: I'll say there's a lot now, that goes on, and I'll, I'll say it. Say it more this this is far from my favorite book and i'm so 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 sorry it makes me feel terrible
0: <laughs> you but, should <laughs> Okay, i'm we'll, kidding i'm we'll totally just read kidding the gunslinger
1: after this again and it'll okay feel, that sounds all feel really better. great all i'm, right. I'm down <laughs> let's let's just get into reading through this book and let's read about some kids making a dam in the middle of the 50s Which yeah. is good, dude. I did uh, the math, right? So we did 360 pages. That leaves us with 520 more pages. Mm-hmm. Which means that we only have to do, for the next two episodes, 250. Which is nice because it means that we can kind of play around with that. If we want to like make that first, then you know, episode three a little bit uh, more page-heavy, we can. Mm-hmm. Or if some which real good us... stuff happens in episode three, we can... But I figure about 250 in each episode, you know, it's going to be much more manageable than this un- unbearable. Almost 400 pages. Was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, let's just, we had one section of the stand like this as well.
0: We that did. Was,
1: and um, It was like
0: 500 pages or some like craziness. Yeah.
1: Oof. Uh and we we ended up postponing that episode as well just because it was a lot longer than we had anticipated. Um we did not have the brilliant idea to do a mini episode with just a little short story that was 5 episodes long, uh 5 pages long, but you know oh, that's, no. that's that was the early. That the, was you know, that's you know, us it. 10 months ago. This is us now. We've grown up. We're a different podcast. This is season 2. This
0: is season 2.
1: That's going to be in the trailer. (laughs) This is season two. Okay. (laughs) Um, So we start off chapter seven, uh, 290. You know, this is like we were talking about. A lot of these are all going to have this similar uh, frame story where Mm – we started off as the adult, and then they remember back in time. And they, it is some really beautiful stuff, you know. It is that same exact thing that we talked about being so fantastic in the beginning, where, you know, it's re- that slow, subtle repetition that is eventually... Um, it, it does that slow, subtle repetition that eventually leads in... Transitions into the next... Cha- uh, like, um, into the time skip. Into the flashback.
0: Exactly. And I love, I really love the way he does that because, you know, we, like we talked about in the first episode, all of our theory is that all of the memories came back all at once for Stan. Mm -hmm. And this way we're getting this transition and this easing in of the memories and everybody's memories that they, they come back to, are a, a good memory to kind of ease them back into it. So, or at least have good I, elements to it.
1: I, I wouldn't even, I would say, I don't know if it's a good element to it. I just think that, you know, Ben says it says it multiple times in the last section, but, you know, there was something starting that none of them could tell, you know? And I think that, like, all of them had that feeling in their tum tums that just said, hey, something's going down and this is like the beginning, you know, and they have that same feeling, too, when Bradley shows up later and we all hate Bradley.
0: Right, right, because they immediately feel like Bradley's an outsider.
1: Mm-hmm. He's just you know, not part he, of he just their does orgy he... train, you know, like he. <laughs> they don't like Bradley and like there is something specific about and and i think you know um it's the drains and the sewers and the barrens and is filled with poop water as we're about to find out you know something about all of this is like they're linked together
0: right right there's an invisible force that is bringing these specific people together right and, and and so i think
1: because they have that force they're not remembering good memories. They're remembering when they started hanging out together.
0: Yeah, they're remembering they're, the, yep. the formative memories of their group.
1: And I think also, structurally, for Stephen King writing a novel, he wants to truly show a lot of these kids' backstories in ways that are is very cyclical. So, Ben mm-hmm. building this dam and being this kid that like underneath is just such a good person is hidden by this like grotesque amount of fat and like is so smart and gifted and brilliant. And like when he grows up, he's finally going to be so handsome and great. Um, It it is. uh, Do
0: you like Eddie better in this section? uh, I know you weren't a big fan of Eddie in the first section.
1: Not particularly. Um, I I still really enjoy, uh, honestly, like he's, slightly better. I don't know. Not really. Not particularly. I don't enjoy reading through his sections as much. The nice thing about Eddie's section as a kid, though, is that, okay, I will say Eddie as a kid is actually much cooler. Yeah. Uh, he's much cooler. He's got, uh, you know, he's definitely a little bit of a baby, but he's definitely, I don't want to say baby. He's definitely still coddled.
0: Oh, yeah. But yeah, yeah.
1: When he's an adult, he misses being coddled. And when he's a child, he doesn't want to be coddled as much. Right. So, you know, it's just a very different dynamic for a character. Also though, the thing is, is that they all just have such a big crush on Bill that they, they'll do anything for that kid. Exactly. They love him so much. They love
0: Bill so much. Bill has just got this charisma about him that, that everybody, everybody loves Bill.
1: Mm-hmm. I think, and I think that that's the thing, too, is, you know, Eddie even has these moments, and this is not that immediate, that first chapter, he's like, oh, Ben is like, hey, here's how we're going to build this dam, and they go to get in the water, and Eddie is like, eh, I don't know. I don't think I want to do that. And Bill just turns around, and he's like, you coming? And he's like, yeah, yeah, of course I'm coming, Bill. You asked. I'll be right exactly. there. I'll, I'll be right there, Yeah." And I don't want to get too into this because Stephen king did and he got really into it for a very long time do you remember uh, all of uh, this is a fun experiment do you remember stand by me also known as the body from different seasons mm-hmm. that's as long as it takes them to build this dam it does yep it's so long and it takes them forever so they build this dam eventually As they're building the dam More kids show up Richie and Stan And right. Richie and Stan uh, They're pretty cool Richie's fun as a kid You know I I wish This is one of those instances too Where reading Or seeing the, these newest movies for it Really colors it for me mm-hmm. um, Because you know like Richie in the movie is played by Finn Wolfhard Right and that kid nails it. Like he's He really so does. He and, was so good. Yeah, and he is having like he's doing a really great job, is it? And then uh, you know, and then I'm reading through for uh, the adult side and I can't every time I read Mike Hanlon, I just think of the actor that played Mike Hanlon too. And I'm just like, Man, this is they had some really good casting in that movie. Like in the newer movies. I really liked it a lot.
0: Yeah, the um, casting was really good. It was the you know the, this... the
1: Bill's casting, uh they really took their liberties in how they wanted to cast Adult Bill with James McAvoy. Mm-hmm.
0: Um
1: but that's how ah, they fine. needed a name. Yeah, and that's fine. I, I don't think there's very many balding ginger names, is there? No, not really. Um but back into this, uh they build their um they build their dam. They hang out and the four or five yeah f- five of them five of them uh, yeah. sit on the banks and uh, they're just hanging out for a while and eventually Bill decides to say something about Georgie's uh, picture and it leads to Eddie telling the story of a man underneath a stair or underneath a porch trying Mm -hmm. to like coax him to come underneath um so that way he can you know uh in uh, just molest this child um you know and i think too like this book compared to every other thing we've read by stephen king including the gunslinger this book is particularly horny (laughs)
0: Uh, It kind of is. Yeah.
1: It's so like, it is like, and I, and I, I get the idea is like, it's this coming of age novel. I personally am uncomfortable with this, like sexualization that is so prevalent in like pop culture of like children and 13 year olds. It's like, if you tell me a story about a middle school, like I understand that middle schools have crushes and stuff, but like, We don't need to sexualize high school and middle school relationships to, like, get the point across that they, like, have a really passionate love for one another. Right. And I think that that is – it is – it gets to that point in these places here for these – what is it going on, 12-year-olds? They're
0: 11, 12-year-olds, yeah.
1: Yeah. And and it's just – it's – those are the moments where it's like, that's unnecessary, like truly unnecessary. Like nobody needed that. Um, But I think that, you know, cocaine is crazy and some, I can only, yeah, there's a lot going on.
0: Yeah, there is a lot going on, but yeah. So, you know, Eddie tells his story of the, the leper under the porch that attempts to assault him Mm -hmm. that he runs from.
1: So he gets away, uh, and they're like, Stan, have you had anything that has happened? And he's like, no, nothing's ever happened to me. You don't know anything. Uh, And then it jumps over to Richie's point of view. Um, And and as uh, Richie is about to tell his story and, like, explain, like, what he's seen, um, Mr. Nell... This police officer pops up and he's like, Hey, you kids, what are you doing? You've blocked it all up, haven't you? (laughs) He's Irish. I can't do an Irish accent to save my life with no practice. He tells them, Hey, you can't just like block up the water down here. This is the drainage for the local sewer. This is all poop. And you're just, you're down here playing in poop, kids. What are you doing? And the kids are like, man, but it's fun. We like hanging out down here. And the, he's just like, that's fine. Don't play in the poop, though.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Take take the dam down. Get the water moving. Stay right. together.
1: Uh, so uh, they uh, take it down. They get through the day. And uh, they decide that they're going to split up. They're pretty tired. So some of them go off to do some other things. Um
0: but basically they're all going home. They're all mm-hmm. going home for the night.
1: Um I really enjoy just the way that like I can only imagine, you know, growing up when I was a kid, we had like cell like we didn't have cell phones, but we did have like house phones. So, you know, I grew up in a very similar environment. Um, you know, when I wanted to go play, I had to ride my bike down the street to go and like meet up with people and knock on the doors and like, be Mm -hmm. like, Hey, you want to play? And like that kind of stuff. But that was only until I was like 10. And then when I was 10, I got an Xbox and that Xbox had Xbox live. And then I could play Halo online with other people. And you know, like, you don't worry about socializing face to face when you start to like socialize over the internet as much. Um, And I think that is what is so interesting to me about, like, reading about these this time period and, like, Mm -hmm. the way that it would have been. Because it's, like, if I would have been, like, 12, 13 and, like, still been in that stage where I would have had to been, like, discovering my own things to do and, like, going on that stage, like, yeah, I can imagine, like, these kind of, like, incredible fantasies, like, taking place in my head. And I can imagine, like, as an adult being, like, man, those things that we have thought of were crazy – and so going back as like a forty-year-old and these, these things happening is it's a very surreal idea. The plot yes. for this the plot for this book is really cool. It's really great. The entire anthropomorphization of a town is awesome. Mm-hmm. Yes, the, I have some and like I'm just really enjoying the the story of it. I think it's really great. Um, sorry, just wanted to slip that in there. Um, I do think that there's some interesting themes, too, about fear itself, you know, and those things that are stronger than fear, your anxieties or your love or um, bravery itself. Um, And I think that that's what's interesting is each one of these characters seems to be a paragon of one of those choices and one of those things that can be out outsmart fear.
0: Well, And and I think that it's also I think it's also important, you know, you see the bond that these kids have and you see how um you know they they become a family outside of these kids biological families you know they become a chosen family through all of this and through all of their shared fears and you know supporting each other which yep. you know is is kind of a an interesting thing cuz that's not Now, I mean, it's something that I've experienced and you've experienced, but not everybody gets that. Not everybody has friends like that.
1: True. Um, and, And let's just, you know, I think that, I don't know. I think that, yes, that they do have a bond between them. I don't think that it's just the typical, like, friendship bond. No And I do think that like They like Play it off as though it is And like there is Something special about them Being all friends In the 58 And the summer of 58 When they were best friends And it's like No You all did a blood pact Against an alien Right That's why you're bonded Forever Against like Like that thing Like it's not because You were all friends When you were in middle school Uh, And I just think it's funny The way that like That occult mysticism has just been forsaken almost in this novel Mm -hmm. um so we get uh these kids go home and they split up for the night and as they're splitting up richie looks at bill and you know richie during most of this had been pretty skeptical he didn't believe any of these kids so he goes bill i want you to let's go to georgie's room i want to see this uh i want to see this uh book
0: this book right
1: yeah um and so, uh, I think, uh, you know, this is when we start getting these really fun illusions here, and this is a little bit me knowing some stuff about Pennywise already, but mm-hmm. in this chapter is when I first clocked some of the, it comes from outer space, um, constant illusions that you get through this book. Right. Um, and so this is one of the first ones, you know, is it talks about the movies that they go to see. I married a monster from outer space and the blob. Uh, and later on, you know, there's it just says, I'm from outer space. I'm from a different planet. Uh, and so it's been foreshadowed a lot. And it just keeps getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And Stephen King does have a way of doing this foreshadowing through this novel that's kind of, you know, it is like an avalanche. You know, you get one small little snowflake. And then suddenly you're just getting hit in the face every other page with these ideas over and over again until the reveal. Right.
0: Until, yeah, until you're buried in it.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, they end up going and looking through this, uh, picture and, uh, low and behold, the picture isn't there anymore. And right. this picture that he had found had originally been a picture of Georgie's, uh, school outing. Well,
0: it, it was a school picture.
1: A school picture, yeah, excuse me, of his whole class. And Georgie in it had started, like, bleeding and the picture started bleeding all over Georgie's room. And so when they find it and they flip to this page and it's not there this more, they're like, what? So they turn the page one more time and it's a picture of the canals mm-hmm. from, it looks like the 20s and 30s, like, you know, 28 years before then. Right. And they're in the picture right there is um, Bill and Richie and... They're freaking out a little bit because they don't remember taking that picture. Well,
0: because they weren't there. There was they weren't even born yet. But there they are in the picture.
1: And so the picture comes to life all of a sudden. And Pennywise pops in the picture. A balloon starts going down the canal. And those dumb kids in the picture are like, I'm going to go after this balloon. They start to go after it. And Bill, being the dumber of the dumbest kids, goes, I'm going to stick my fingers in this picture. Into this picture, yeah. And so he shoves his hand into the picture to try and stop the children in the picture from going down the canal and then the picture eats his hand almost as if it was like what it wanted it to do the whole time you dumb child
0: right yeah I'm you not, know okay. for as, I as smart be so as me to is, a 12
1: year old child but yeah for as smart as you are bill why why did you do that man
0: but sometimes you know i think that that just portrays that it's kind of a compulsion you know there's th- that i'm not even sure that bill was in complete control of himself when he did that.
1: Right. I wouldn't say that Bill's bravery is a conscious choice most of the time. Right. It's just a, a, a reflex that happens. So um, they have that. Then And, you know, what's wild is at the end of that experience, Richie still doesn't have a full belief of what happened.
0: Yeah, Richie's in denial.
1: and I would be too like that was I mean yeah absolutely because
0: it's terrifying and and you know it's safer if you don't believe
1: right exactly Um, the next probably like I don't know it's probably like the next two chapters are really fun and they're really great and like you know I encourage them to be read on your own time but I don't think that they like really add much to the overall mythos of it.
0: Well, I think that the next couple of chapters are just—they uh, really show that they're just kids. Oh percent. They're just kids, and, it's and super they're cute. doing kid things. And mm. you know, they, I didn't need in, two
1: pages of Beverly teaching uh, him how to yo-yo. he had a yo-yo. Yeah.
0: Seems well, like, and, that
1: is a waste of pages. Like, it's cute. I get it. That's the kind of stuff that like can be added in a sentence and just be like, "Oh yeah, remember that time I taught you how to yo-yo." That was cute. That was good. Um, I do think well, that, like, you could – I do think some of the stuff in here is important. Sorry, what were you going to say? I'm so I sorry. I was going to
0: say, and them getting away from their real-world <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. nemesis, you know, getting away from the bully again. Yeah. Um, and having well, to deal with, in addition to this, you know, paranormal sort of thing that they've got going on with, with it –
1: I think one of the things that is really important that is pointed out for me about Ben's character archetype during this. So basically what happens during this too, so we'll just catch everyone up. Um, Richie has $3 from mowing the lawn from his dad that he's, or $2 from mowing the lawn that he wants to go mm-hmm. see this double feature horror flick. And so he calls up all of his friends, but almost all of them are out of town except for Ben. And Ben is like, yeah, I'd love to go see the horror movies with you. So they go and they're going to go see... Um, Oh, the mummy and
0: the wolf man. No, the, the blob and the a
1: wolf or something like that.
0: Yeah, the blob and the, I married the outer space thing. Those are on the, it was, an, I was a teenage Frankenstein. Yeah, was one something of them. like
1: that. One of them's a werewolf flick too. And the
0: teenage werewolf, the teenage yeah. Frankenstein and the teenage werewolf movie.
1: Something like that. And so he's like, yo, let's go. And we're gonna, we're gonna go see these movies. And Ben is like, ah, yes, that sounds cool. Um, I don't know how to interact with you, but cool. That sounds cool. And so that he Ben hangs up, and they are going to watch the movies. And so as he's going to watch the movies, he runs into Bev. Bev teaches him to yo-yo a little bit. Uh, oh, and I'm talking about Richie. Richie, yeah, for, um, Richie runs Richie into Bev. And, right. And then it's discovered. Oh yeah. Also, Richie has a crush on Bev. It turns out surprising you're no one. All eight of these children are all going to have a crush on Bill, and they're all going to have a crush on Bev. And it's going to make some scenes later on make a lot more sense. So they end up going to go see these movies together as they're going to see these movies together. Henry Bowers and his friend are also seeing these movies. As they come out the movies, they go out the back door. As they come out the back door, Henry Bowers catches them and his couple of friends, and they're about to beat him up. And Ben just kind of like loses his mind and picks up some trash cans and starts throwing them at these kids and it's awesome and i love ben so much and then they get away and i think that the one thing that i wanted to say about this that i thought was really important is that ben knew it was a bad idea to go see the movies after he saw henry bowers because he Mm -hmm. knew he knew that like what was going to happen he was not uh, ignorant to the consequences of his actions he knew that making this choice was going to put him in a very vulnerable position for his enemies
0: but he did it anyway because Bev was there, and he I, didn't want to look like a chicken in front of Beverly.
1: I was going to say that it's Richie. Richie is the p- peer pressures him. He, you know, he well, sure, Be-
0: Richie p- peer pressures him, but he would have he would have been like, nah, man. If it had been just Richie, he'd have he would have walked away. But Bev was there, and he didn't want to look afraid in front of Beverly.
1: And I think there's going to be it's going to be very indicative that he did say something, but they just kind of like glossed over it and they like got him to the point where he was like, okay, that's fine. We'll do it. But it's I feel is going to be very indicative of something later on where we find that this is not going to be the first time where Ben thinks something and they just kind of ignore it. Mm. You know what I mean? I yeah. Think Ben's gonna have a bad feeling about something, and, and they're just gonna be like, "Ben, it's gonna be fine." And I think it's just gonna be that indicative sense of like, Ben has that that feeling that that's like the way that like he's he's got he's got a he's from Hemingford Home for goodness sake, you know? Well,
0: from, like he's got he's got an extra sense, I think. Yes. But yeah, I think that's what you're trying to get at.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, and so. uh that's quite a bit of it, too, is them doing all of that. Um, and then Richie and Phil go on another investigation.
0: Out to, to the Street. house on Nabolt Street.
1: Mm-hmm. And this one was very spooky, and I really enjoyed this chapter a lot. Really great. Good suspense. Um, and it gives us a lot about the monster, too, in some ways the monster in this book uh, is very inconsistent he doesn't make much sense it's he it, sometimes it has unlimited power sometimes it can mind control people sometimes it, it can bend reality sometimes it can only be near the sewers in a drain sometimes it can appear in the middle of a prison
0: mm-hmm.
1: it, it doesn't make any sense uh there's no like congruency in his powers um, you know, it, you would think that if it's just trying to kill people, it would, ju- it would just kill people. Um, but, you know, this could be a prequel to Monsters University, like we were talking we about. We talked
0: about that. Oh yep. we're
1: still trying to figure it out.
0: I'm um, telling you, somebody over at Pixar is a Stephen King fan.
1: 100%. With all the doors in Monsters, Inc., like, they all mm-hmm. makes make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure one of those doors leads well, to... Well, and
0: the carpet in Toy Story and... The um, dolls, the twins... The twins and then there's a 237 reference which of course is to the kubrick movie not the book but anyway there's somebody over there that's a stephen king fan that's in charge of things
1: we just gotta uh, we just gotta do a whole bookmark about just the different pixar moments
0: we do make um, note <laughs> i'm so, gonna write that down
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh as she's writing it down i'll let you know that during this section Bill, Richie, they go into Nebolt Avenue. They go underneath the house. They realize that the window is broken exactly where they were told it would be by uh, Eddie. And as they. And that the bush is dead
0: and that everything matches his story.
1: Everything is spot on with his story. So Bill, the brave, impulsive uh, person that he is, pushes his way into the basement of this abandoned house. And wouldn't you know it? there turns out that there's a monster inside of it um and so, shocking yeah, shocking, shocking. and so as they're coming down, there it's interesting that the beast or the monster turns into a werewolf, and it's coming down the stairs and as it's coming down the stairs, you know um Bill has gotten a gun during most of this.
0: Yeah, and he he took his dad's gun. Yep, and
1: his dad has an old pistol, and Bill is enraged, and he screams, "How I, I'm gonna kill you for killing Georgie!" Um, and then to juxtapose that, Richie is terrified, finally believing in you know hitting the like level of acceptance. So he's crawling, trying to crawl out of the room as G- Bill is shooting at this shoots this monster, uh, mm-hmm. which just seems to completely miss. And and I think it's interesting too, as uh, they eventually get away. And uh, you know, we had had this uh, one of the convention goers had yelled "Hiyo Silver" at us, uh, "Hiyo right. Silver away," uh, yeah. and, and it's really fun. You know, uh, you know, during the you know the last four hundred pages, we've been like Bill's able to to ride against the devil on this bike, and then he actually mm-hmm. has to ride against the devil in this chapter. And ride and against was, the
0: devil, yeah. Yeah,
1: and so he, they get away. Uh, eventually and it kind of concretes for both of them that like this is happening and something needs to be done right Um, I think it's interesting how the monster is very reminiscent I feel like you know uh, it's very it picks the weakest link and it turns into their greatest fear so you know and I think that Richie in that moment was obviously the biggest the weakest link Bill had a gun. He felt invulnerable for a kid in the yeah. 50s with a gun. And Richie gun.
0: had sneezing powder.
1: Yeah, exactly. Sneezing powder and a, uh, um, a slingshot. He wasn't going to do anything to him.
0: Right. I will
1: say there was a moment, though, where the werewolf's about to get him, and then Richie does hit him with the sneezing powder, and it saves his life. Right. So it's a fan- it, very good moment and just a very uh, comedic bit. And that entire section was written really, really well. I enjoyed it a lot.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I think that this is, it reminds me, when I was reading the Harry Potter books, when I was significantly older than when I read this the first time, the Bogart's reminded me. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I was like, oh, yeah. Totally, she robbed that. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, and now you know, you know, too. She's just a big fan of Stephen King. Is like, I've gotten older, I've found out more too, and that makes yeah. a lot of sense. That that's like, well, she the inspiration was. <laughs> for a bogart. Yeah, true. I she mean, was. even uh, Alfonso Cuarón in the his the third movie, Harry Potter movie, the bogart turns into a giant spider with like a baby's mm-hmm. head, uh, yep. which is really reminiscent to the It two uh, image that we get in the newest version of the movie. When we see the final form of it. Um, So after all of that comes through, we uh, finally get to uh, the next chapter. Um, And some important stuff has happened there. It is essentially validified and verified that there is this problem of this magic clown that needs to be dealt with. Bill is kind of the leader of the group and Richie really is his best friend. Um, you know, Richie and Bill yeah. seem to be the ones that are always together. Or, no, am I thinking Eddie?
0: Well, Richie or Bill and Eddie are a, a lot together. I mean, they're together a lot. You usually don't see one mm-hmm. of them with. You don't see Eddie without Bill usually. Right, but Richie is you like know. the
1: second in command.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, he's he is the vice president. And then, uh, you, hes the—if we're looking at a pirate ship, you know, Bill's the captain, and then the first mate is gonna be uh, Richie, you know. I think so. The I second think so strongest in a lot voice on the ship, yeah. And uh, I know everything goes to pirates with me. I enjoy pirates a lot. They're good, <laughs> um, but uh, I just think. It's a good delineation of power. And now we can understand that. So the two of them going off on these adventures and confirming these issues, it really confirms for the group like, hey, this is something we got to do. We get into Beverly's chapter next. And uh, we have Beverly uh, meeting with her friend who gives her money so she can go to Milwaukee to take a train or bus uh, flight from Milwaukee into Derry. Um, and she's hiding her tracks really well. And she's having her memories start to come back and her memories come back. And this is kind of the one, you know, it's not in a particularly like great way, um, but it's her getting out of the shower and in the shower, she hears somebody talking to her. And uh, as she's like getting out of the shower, she's like, oh my God, something's like, so she screams and her dad comes and then her dad just hits her for call- calling for her right and so it's like oh okay like really like sets the tone immediately like beverly's childhood is just like her um adult life was exactly yeah uh, which you know
0: is unfortunately a pretty typical pattern
1: yeah it makes uh it it sets up a lot for like what's going to be happening
0: uh and and it's you know it's really terrible because he beats her up because she's Scared of something, mm-hmm. you know. It's just, it's just terrible.
1: And so uh, they end up going seeing this movie, and uh, after they get uh, run of the way with the movie, one of these kids say something mean about her mother, and uh, it just really rubs her the wrong way, and she ends up crying, and she opens her guts about the blood that has just burst into her bathroom right during that last encounter. And that was the thing that had scared her. And she was just trying to understand why this blood came out of nowhere.
0: Um, Right. Yeah. Yeah. Out of the drain and voices and she's freaking out and, you know, she can't, her parents can't see it and she can't tell them. And
1: And that's one of the biggest things that like is a, a, a very telling factor that they share with us there. Is that her father comes in and she's freaking out and he hits her because there's nothing for him to see, but for Beverly there's blood everywhere. Mm-hmm. So um, Ben and Richie end up coming back to uh, her house to see it.
0: Well, and and Stan. And
1: Stan. Oh, that's right. No, oh, no, it is Stan. No, it's yeah. Stan and Ben and Richie. And yep. Eddie,
0: and Eddie. Um. Oh man, it's almost. Yeah, it's. Is it all? Wait a minute. No, Richie's not there. It's it's Stan and Eddie and Ben that help her. They come back to see it. Um. Because it's not the movie day. It's they were playing. She helped her mom clean, and it still wasn't clean, because her mom cleaned the bathroom but couldn't see it, so she's out and she finds um eddie and ben pitching pennies with um stan um what's his name the one that we don't like
1: bradley
0: bradley that's right bradley yeah and (laughs) and then they run into stan and stan's like well let's just clean it up
1: I thought it was very important, too, that Beverly kicks Bradley's butt so badly at pitching pennies that he's like, you suck. You're a girl. You can't be good at this. And she just goes, And you're a cheater. (laughs) Yeah, and she just goes, yeah, but I took all your pennies. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And she was like, I wasn't even going to keep them. You can have them back if you want. And he just runs away. And I was like, man, like, Beverly's so cool. I love her so much. Yep. Um, I enjoy Beverly Lodge. He's a great character. And it's, um, so they go and they clean up everything too. And, uh, Stan ends up, uh, so they end well, up talking through. I was going to say, this is where everything. they
0: get, they clean up everything and they go to the laundromat. And mm-hmm. then that's when we get Stan's story.
1: Yeah. His first, uh, uh kind of uh trying to figure out uh, his initiation story I guess since we've yeah. got most of them and you find out Stan and his father enjoy um bird watching so they are going to be going bird wa- he's been bird watching in memorial park um i think too, uh you know, there's always times, too, where I think Stephen King wants to show off just a little bit how much he knows about, like, classic literature and just, like, that kind of stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: you know, we get these, like, random, like, Latin clo- quotes and, like, all this stuff. Uh, and it's fun and interesting. And I will say, like, I do, I enjoy looking them up and just seeing, like, what they are and, like, how they are. We get this quote from Pliny, which says, Aparabat Edelon Senex which means beware the warnings of an, uh, an old man comes this way or something along those lines, um, which is uh, interesting um, because there's no old man that comes right away in this. Um, but I imagine that sooner or later, Stanley will have some kind of encounter with an old man. It will be interesting. Um, he's looking for this bird, and he sees a uh, bird he thinks is pretty cool, um
0: right you know he's like trying to check out he he's sent to see a cardinal because somebody had told him that there there may be a cardinal there but he mm-hmm. sees another bird that he's never checked off in his his official book that he keeps his birds in
1: yeah um and he gets to this um uh... I don't know. It's just, it's a very out of place building. I don't remember exactly what Steve well, called it.
0: it's, he's, he gets to the standpipe. It's actually like a water tower. That's it's, what it
1: is. Yeah. Yeah. And they had talked to about, uh, I don't know why they call it a standpipe. It confused me so much. I eventually looked it up and I realized it was just water tower, but mm-hmm. um, it's like a water tower that also has like, you don't have to climb up 50 feet to get into it.
0: Right. Right. It's got a, a, a ground door level, at access, a ground level well. access to it's it's not like a water tower you see in the Midwest. Right.
1: But it uh and so like you can open that ground level door and then like take a couple steps forward apparently and then like accidentally fall into all of the water that is in well, this like, no, you, well, it seems. You
0: have to climb the steps. It's like it's like a tower inside of a tower. Like there's a water tank inside the tower and you with an outer wall and in between the two walls there's steps and you, you the way it used the way it was set up is you used to be able to go up the steps and there was an observation deck so that you could cuz it was tall you could go out and look and see the surrounding area from an, this really high point of view but there was also an access door so that you could so that they could go in over the water okay
1: and so and that so, is where the padlock is broken that Stan gets into
0: Well, the padlock's broken at the bottom because people had fallen into the water by accident at the top. So they had just locked it off so you couldn't even go inside it anymore. So the padlock was broken. The door was open. And Stan has an encounter with ghosts, memories, spirits, beings, it in the form of drowned people.
1: And well, it starts off with Calliope music too. You know, yes, it starts off with it the, starts
0: off with the Calliope music and the the circus sounds.
1: Mm-hmm. And it starts off, and it's that classic there. And then uh, he hears uh, the dead ones, Stanley. Where the dead ones we sank, but now we float, and you'll float too. Um, and so he, this is where I got this bit too, because Stanley. Here's that, recoils, starts backwards, and then trips over his bird book, which Mm -hmm. knocks him out of the spell. He grabs his bird book, and he's able to just run out and focus and escape. Right. As he's running out and focusing and escape, he just starts naming off all these birds that he thinks are super cool and interesting, and he's able to get out, and he realizes, oh, man, all those people that I saw in there were dead people.
0: Right. And like the bird names are his touch point to reality. That's what kind of grounds him and, and makes, makes the the unreality go away.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something that we'll see. We've seen in each one of these like kids, uh, each one of their initiation rituals. And then we're going to see it in each one of the walkabouts when we come back later is Mm -hmm. what is that ground point? Where is that reality reacher? What is it that knocks them out of fear what is stronger than fear itself? What is Stephen King trying to tell us is stronger than fear itself in that one? And you know, in this one, it's just straight up hobbies and distractions, things Mm -hmm. that you love enough that you just would focus on that rather than be scared of something. Right. Um, And I think that, you know, it hits the mark real well. Um, And I also think it's very cute too, that this is a hobby that this character is very invested into because he shared it with his father right um so on we go um so they finish the story um they return uh all of the rags and everything that they had used to clean up bev's house everywhere that they needed to mm-hmm. um you know
0: beverly uh this is, goes, this is a point where you just want to kind of shake her a little bit. Like, what are you thinking? <laughs> yeah. With the tape measure and trying. Yeah. And I'm like, what, yeah. what are you thinking, girl? Stop so, it. You just got it all cleaned up.
1: Beverly gets it all cleaned up and she gets a tape measure and she's like, you know, it's going to work as if I really aggravate this guy. So mm-hmm. she takes the tape measure and she just sticks it down the drain until uh, something happens. And eventually somebody grabs the tape measure and starts running with it. You know, something happens. Uh, And it freaks her out and she screams. Uh, And so this tape measure comes snapping back and she runs out. Um, And there's some blood all over the place, all over the tape measure itself. And she cleans it up and puts it back. Um, And that's kind of the end of that chapter, you know. It is is very much saying, like, if you're going to poke me, I'm going to mess with you. Right. I'm not just going to, like, not be there. Like, I'm always there. It's very much a, uh, I am there. You're right. Be worried.
0: Right. So then we get another Mike interlude, a present 1985 interlude. And this is the one I really... I really like this, this interlude because this is the story, this is the section where we get the story about um, the black spot. It's just fun, it's... Well, I, I think that this is important because this is where we find out that Mike's dad had a run-in with it.
1: Yeah, and I think that we could have had all of that without, like, the incredibly detailed explanation of the hate crimes yeah and and i'm like you know it, it is interesting and it is really great it's just that it's like a very
0: i mean I, it's, it, it's it's a very real story yeah it's a very real in-depth put you in the place story
1: it's not just that for me it's more of just like The story itself is just so out of place with this overall story. It's so unnecessary. It's so extraneous. And it's just...
0: But it's, I mean, maybe, but it's also Mike's research. You know, this is where we're establishing that Mike is going back and learning that that it has been around. And these things have been going on for a long time. And...
1: And I get that. And I understand that it's important to know that, like, you know, Mike, he saw the clown in the 20s. I don't know. It, it makes sense because, yes, like the army is not is super racist and the army is awful and small little Midwest towns are terrible. And I do think it's good that in the 70s, Stephen King was telling this story and making people that maybe weren't aware that this was something that was happening everywhere, mm-hmm. something that was happening everywhere. Right. Um, I just think that when you have a 1,200-page novel, it's just like, is this the time to be making that point for the sake of, you know, synchronicity of your novel? Right. You know, I do think it is important, you're right, to have these bits uh, and to know that Pennywise has been there before. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and that, in this case specifically, Mike's dad... Was also, you know, a historian of sorts for dairy, and that it had affected. This is now the second generation of the Hanlon family that was directly affected by dairy, and it. So I feel like you know maybe How do you we mean didn't. His dad may... was a historian. Well, because we'll get there.
1: Okay, we'll see. Okay, that's <laughs> We'll, so we'll some, get there. Some light foreshadowing. Um, some foreshadowing. But, I think that'll but yeah, be interesting I mean, then.
0: And, you know, it also gives you the story of why uh, Mike was even there. I mean, they were the only black family in town. Yeah. You know, and they weren't no. from there originally. Yeah.
1: And it does, and like, it does... I guess that, like, some of that does bring some good reasons into, like, explaining why Mike is there and, like, what his origins are and that kind of thing. It's just that, like, nowadays it wouldn't be good representation. Like, if the only reason you're going to have a black character in your story is to be a token victim of a racial warfare that happened <laughs> in the, the right. 30s, like, that char- like that book would get lambasted um You know, I just think that this book, this one in particular, does not age as well as some of the other stuff we've read, if I'm being honest. Okay. Um, I do think that the story ages pretty well. The writing has not aged as well.
0: I can, yeah. I'll, I'll yeah, I can see that.
1: And in 28 years, we're going to have another remake of the book, It. Uh, because it's going to be cool thematically. If it happens every 28 years for the rest of our lives, we'll all be okay with that. If every 28 years, there's just another story of version of it. I think that'd be super cool. We'd all, I
0: think it would be super cool. I need somebody who has actually read the book, like cover to cover to write the screenplay.
1: I don't, I don't need that at all. I I don't
0: necessarily need them to, to like write every single thing in, but I do need them to have read the book cover to cover at least one time. W- before fair. they write the screenplay.
1: From what I That's all I we, ask. Yeah, the idea, we, I got to see how the ending works before we get to that.
0: So, we're um, back in the present again. Yes. Or the present, 1985.
1: And we are at part three, Grown Ups. Welcome back to everyone from your break. Um, congratulations. If you've caught up so far, we are 200 pages into this week's episode. Um, just a round of applause for everyone. Woo! Um, it's been... You know, and it's good, you know, that was a lot of kid stuff, and it's very fun, and it's interesting, and he does a really good job of some of it. Like, he really captures the essence of, like, going to hang out with your friends and getting the phone call to, like, go and do something, and, like, just, you know, it's fun. And the way
0: that it all happened so organically before, before computers and cell phones and...
1: He captures it really beautifully, and he does capture those friendships and those like the meaningful things that those meaningful connections we made as kids with one another. Um, he captures those very beautifully during that. Mm-hmm. But now we're going to get to some actual plot. We're going to figure out what what the heck is happening in Dairy, um, and so this for me is the start, part three. I would say this is the start of, like, the actual, of, like, Act 2, essentially. we're looking at this as, like, a three-act epic. This is the start of Act 2. And now that we have, like, all of our exposition, we know what's happening, we know all of our fighters, we know our characters, now we're going to start getting foreshadows towards – we're going to start getting foreshadowing more towards the end, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, You you know, there's going to be the reference to a chewed – The ritual of chewed, you know, it hasn't even been brought up, but like it hasn't been brought up at all in the book yet. But, you know, we're going to get a reference to it here in a couple of chapters and it's not even going to be the full reference. It's just going to be the morsel of the word. Um, And so, you know, we get these small references and these small foreshadows and and it's going to start building here for what the ending is going to be. So it starts off. uh, Sorry, go ahead.
0: I was going to say this is this is kind of like this is where it picks up speed. Oh yeah, it yeah, starts yeah, yeah, yeah. to pick up speed,
1: and it's only going to start going more downhill from here as we start to read more, and as uh, you know, we we should finish this. Uh, let's see. So you know, we we didn't really talk about this uh, during that bit, but we'll talk about it right now. You know, you're listening to this, uh, and it came out on the fourth. Next week, we're going to be putting out a bookmark on the 11th. The third episode is going to come out on the 18th. The 25th, we're going to be doing a Thanksgiving special. As we are prone to do. Um, mm-hmm.
0: Holiday specials. Yay. Just like, you, you know, just like any all the good things. All the absolutely. good things have
1: holiday specials. And then on the second, we're going to be finishing up it, it looks like. So, you know, we're going to be finishing up this up throughout November, going into December. Um, and I think that. This is going to be parts that we're going to be like, oh, remember back in this episode. Remember back in this episode this happened. I think mm-hmm. it's going to be a lot during these, like, first uh, moments with Pennywise here again.
0: Yes, I agree.
1: Um, so it opens up with the three, all of them, um, meeting up for lunch together, essentially. And right. they meet up for lunch. Um, you know, they all have pretty much they have uh, they all look very differently now um, right. and th- the big thing that they uh, they focus on uh, as I feel like most people would focus on is Ben's significant weight loss um, and he has now become from the chunky little uh, jubilant boy he was he is now a chiseled hot architect um, in the words of Stephen King so. If we're wondering about Stephen King's by curiosity, he definitely <laughs> enjoys describing Ben as a very handsome architect. That's yes, for Yes, sure. he does. <laughs> he takes some liberties enjoying it. And um, they toast to the Losers Club, and then they get down to business. They eat, and they hang out. And um, they and eat,
0: and they eat, and they eat. <laughs> yeah, they eat a
1: lot of food. Um, and it's... They do. They eat a lot, and they make mm-hmm. points about it, too. Uh, and as they finally finish eating, um, they start talking about everything. And basically, everything is that Mike tells them that the murders have started. And the murders and everything that he tells them is, at this point, stuff we've already known as the audience, but right. our main characters
0: are starting to learn about it now. Right. And he, you know, he's, he's filling them in on all, not just the current murders, but the history of Derry that he has learned, you know, the, the Black Spot, the Bradley Gang, the East, the Kitchener Ironworks, which they all know about, but now he's putting all of the pieces together Mm -hmm. and, and showing the, the patterns.
1: Yep. And we're slowly getting, um... Moments of our main characters remembering things that we've already read about and then also giving us during this We get a lot of hints about things to come um, mm-hmm. you know uh, movies and uh, Some different things. Uh, I think it's interesting like there's one point uh, I uh, Where Bill has a perfect Irish cop voice that like gets him out of trouble and you know that Moment was when the uh, or not Bill Richie has that Richie twice. Richie yeah, and that moment had already happened too when he had when they were fighting the werewolf, right. And uh, I I just think that it's real fun that like the 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 way that he's using the moments where they remember things as adults and then the, the way that they use them as kids and they coincide together it's blends together very very well. Um. Overall, the adult meeting up is very good. I like it. It's cute. It's fun. I think that it's a little bloated, but I think that it has to be just because the childhood is so bloated.
0: Right. And, you know, it, it is a little bloated, but we're, we're trying to, he's trying to show these people who haven't seen each other and had completely forgotten each other. Mm -hmm. reconnecting and those bonds reforming yeah and he does it all in one meal basically
1: yeah exactly um and so then uh they finish this meal they reform all these bonds they are super full up they get their fortune cookies and they go to open their fortune cookies. And lo and behold, Pennywise got to their dessert. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what a mischiev- mischievous clown. The most evil of villains messing with their dessert. Can you imagine? What an yeah. evil, evil I mean, man. What?
0: How rotten?
1: <laughs> oh, rotten. That's good. Because inside of their fortune cookies, as they crack it open, one of them is a couple of rotten teeth. One of them is uh, rotten teeth. One is a fly because mm-hmm. one, them, Bill is scared of the movie The Fly. Um, and, you know, it's interesting because we get all of these... Uh,
0: Adult horrors? Adult these are horrors. Things, these are things that they're scared of as adults. These are the things that that they come...
1: That make them unseated in the night as adults. And I right. think, uh, you know, one of them is crickets. Uh, and, you know, we don't get to see all of them. One of them, uh, I think, is interesting... Uh, Ben's is probably the most interesting of all the ones that I think we get, which is his. Our uh, it, it uh, its teeth are in mm-hmm. his, uh, you know, which I think makes it very interesting. You know, he's very vain. He's scared of losing like what's made him handsome, because he is pretty. He's cute now, right? Um, and the lunch that they have is very soft. It is a. It is very much a warm up to the what's going to come. And I think it's interesting because when we look at it in the movies, like stuff, like a baby's head came to life and like all of these things. And it's just like, that didn't seem to be like what happened here.
0: Right. No, no, it it really isn't. And this is, this is kind of, you know, it makes his appearance. He shows his things. He gives them the, you know, the, the, the things that they're currently scared of. And, um, then Mike gives them the option to leave. Right. Mike's like, okay, well now you've seen all the stuff. You've got all the information, you know, it knows you're here. He's told you to come home or, or it has told you to come home. And here we go. Mm -hmm. Now it's, now it's on you.
1: uh, Bill has like an eye pop out of his, I guess there is some wild stuff that pops out of it. But I'm like, what's particularly interesting about this too is, you know, it pops out of these fortune cookies. They break them open. And they start to freak out, and they can hear the waitress come in, and Bill is like, everybody act right, straighten up, like they can't, they won't be able to see him. They walk in, and then they still can't see him. And Mike puts out, posits this theory that it's because they're all fatherless, or not fatherless, but they're all childless. Childless, yeah.
0: Well, and, you know, there's argument that that is... That that's just a thing that has happened, that it isn't really relevant to this. But, you know, the people who left, not only did they not have any kids, but they all got wealthy as well,
1: you Mm. know, so there's some uh, wealth and success in their own ways. And I think also it's mm-hmm. too, it's interesting that like, yeah, they don't all have kids, but there's very distinct moments during the first three. And you can listen to our first episode where I even thought some of them were impotent, impotent, impotent,
0: impotent, Right.
1: Um, because of the way that like the curse has happened or like whatever has happened to them. Um, you know, they weren't supposed to be able to give kids so that way they could still fight it 28 years later. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what we're coming to now. Right. Um, Now we get into probably what is... These were some spooky chapters. I enjoyed them a lot. Um, Some of of it was bloated. The thing is, for me, is it's like, really... We read almost 400 pages. We read a book, essentially. Some stories are told in 400 pages. Right. I don't feel like we did that much. We didn't travel that far. We didn't learn that much. We didn't do that much. There's a lot of illusions. There's a lot of allegory there's a lot of uh, there's a particularly long racial story like there's all of these things and it's just like I don't feel like we got that far right it just it gave us just so many soft clues just so that way it could because it felt like to me it feels like this book thinks it needs to be cleverer by giving us these soft easy clues And that it would be less impactful if it just told us these things and got itself into the next parts of the story. Whereas I feel like if this trimmed out, I don't think it needs a stand level trim. I think it needs a 200 page trim, you know, just a little bit less, a little bit of these like moments that just take away from the overall. uh, Yeah, I I don't think it. it,
0: Right. I I agree that it probably could have used just some fine retuning. Um, not necessarily you know, major, but yeah, there's probably some of this that, that they could have dropped out. But and I think same,
1: that, sorry, go ahead.
0: I was going to say, but at the same time, this was kind of, he had signed this enormous book deal for that included this book, and he was kind of at the height of his success in the 80s with this book. So he could say, no, we're doing it on my terms, my way, and this is the story I want.
1: And that's fine. That doesn't mean it's the best version uh, of it.
0: No, right, right. And, you know, maybe somebody should have said, hey, man, yes, but.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, and I do think that, like, there should have been a more stringent editing process. Uh, I do think that the... I think that the parts that have been pulled for other versions of telling this story have been good choices. Um, So I'm excited to, like, see the end of this novel and see what I think I would do to, like, actually make it more literarily accurate, which is yeah, definitely I feel something like that our, people
0: want. I feel like our bookmark after this book, when we talk about our movie pitch,
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: that one's going to be really good because oh, I have yeah. very specific things that, you know, there were things I liked about both adaptations, and there are things that I definitely don't like about both adaptations. And so...
1: So, just to illustrate my anyway. point, though, we're going to get into these. We're in Chapter 12, which is called Walking Tours. And we do have these, basically, Mike Hanlon has sent them all out on um, walkabouts. He's like, you know, none of us know what our next plan is. None of us know what to do. We're just trying to fight this, like, thing. So, um, we're all just going to take the day and walk around Derry and, like, follow your impulses. You know, this thing wants to kill you and eat you, so it's going to try. Um, right. Just kind of wait and see what you can learn about it. So they all get on a bus and they all just get off in different spots. And we start with Ben, who gets off at the library.
0: Um, well, and it might give him very specific directions. He's like, follow your impulses, but do not under any circumstances go to the barons.
1: Yeah, don't go there yet. We're, we want to go there together. So it's definitely like something that they can go there together. And, you know, what's interesting is we're going to start hitting these bits of foreshadowing because there's these thing called Merlock holes in the Barrens that Ben has mentioned at some point. And, you know, later on in some of these, uh, Eddie's going to say, we went down one of those. And, you know, it's just going to get mentioned in each one of these sections. There's mm-hmm. just small little things like that that get mentioned each time. And I think that right now the problem for me with this section is Nothing happens in this chapter until chapter, page 552, so for me, it's for 11 pages. For 11 pages, it is just the descriptions of Ben walking around his middle school library and reminiscing. And that's cool. It's cute. The problem for me as the author, as, as the audience, as the person reading this, I just read about Ben in middle school in this library yeah. there's no like need for me to have that moment of reminiscence it can just be an offhanded mention but for me that was yesterday there's no reminiscence from 28 years ago i was reading about ben in this library last week like right. it, it's just it's, it's a little it's 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 too much in this point and there's some very soft um foreshadowing like we're talking about you know he immediately says that word chewed um, but it's not like a lot of it Uh, and all of this is just stuff that you know it's deja vu is a constant uh concept that keeps coming up during these sections
0: well and you know yeah so it it also the library was so important to ben when he was a child but then he has the realization that he never even had an adult library card.
1: Yeah. And so he's like, I'm going to get this library card. And as he's getting the library card, he hears over his, over uh, the balcony, Ben, would you come up here? A voice called suddenly, cutting across the library, hush like a scalpel. And it's Pennywise. And, you know, we get that. This is kind of confirmation for everyone that Pennywise can see and manipulate and talk to the, our, tr- our main heroes, but they can't, and they can react back, but the difference is everyone can see what our main heroes are doing, whereas no one can see what Pennywise is doing. So right,
0: because they're adults now, and so mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're being seen by other adults yeah. You know, not like when they were kids where adults really didn't pay that much attention to them.
1: And it makes it a lot more difficult than when they were the kids. You know, they could go and have these fights with a werewolf in the middle of the street and race their bike away because, you know, their kids, oh, they're just playing. They're doing something weird. Whereas, like, as if a grown man runs out of a house and fires a couple gunshots and jumps into his car, people are going to call the police on that.
0: Right. Right.
1: Um. So he gets this, uh, he's working through getting this library card as he's being shouted at by Pennywise, and it just kind of verifies a few of these powers for us, Um, and he he brings back up Henry Bowers, Mm -hmm. Um, and and I think it's important that it kind of does that cyclically, because Henry Bowers is about to become important again. Um, Exactly. And so it's just really, it's well done when it does it that way. Right. Um, next up, we're going to meet up with Eddie. Uh, I don't. Eddie's. This is like one of the sections in particular where it's just like, okay, Eddie, sure, buddy. Like, just keep talking. Um, right. I don't know. I do think that, like, there's some. It's interesting because the only re- thing that I think that was interesting about this is that it brings up Belch Phillips. And it brings up a time where Belch Huggins, -Huggins, excuse me. Thank you. And it brings Mm -hmm. up a time where those trios of bullies were also really mean to Eddie and they got him good. Right. Right. And he is out at a uh, baseball
0: diamond somewhere. Right. Well, he's he's at um, a baseball diamond or it's actually a parking lot where they used to play baseball as kids kids, that he always wanted to be able to play baseball, but was never allowed to because he was fragile because his mom wouldn't let him. And, you know, this is the one that honestly, this didn't. Yeah. This is one that honestly never made sense to me because they never once ever not ever showed Eddie here when he was a kid.
1: You know, and it's interesting, too, because it's, like, it connects it to the uh, leper that's offering him the blowjob, and the leper climbs Mm -hmm. over the street. But then it immediately turns into these ghost baseball players, and it's just, you know, I said it at the beginning of the first episode last time, you know, I think that there's some misfires when you're trying to bring seven individual viewpoints in together. Mm -hmm. I think that there's got to be, if I was writing seven individual viewpoints, there's got to be this, like, hidden, like, power, like, belief that, like, you have to, like, mention every single one of them every single time, but I don't feel like you have to. If Eddie's story isn't interesting, if you can't think of, like, what interestingly, like, happens to Eddie that's not just ghost baseball players appear out of nowhere and, like, play ghost baseball and scare him real good... Right. Don't don't write anything for it. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I do think that... Y- y- This does give us some implication that Pennywise can be more than one place at one time. Because you'd imagine that these are all happening all at the same time. You know, this and Richie's and Eddie's and Beverly's, which is about to happen. Um, But definitely this is the weakest one for me. I do think it is interesting. There is a small little point where they talk about somebody hitting a ball out into the woods. um, And that um, it had been Peter Gordon who found the ball. Isn't there like a book about like a boy named Peter Gordon that gets lost in the woods with a baseball, something like that.
0: It's the girl who loved Tom Gordon and Tom Gordon is a baseball player,
1: but close. (laughs) Uh, That's that's just like what made me think of it. It it hit that memory net for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and and that's really you know I think what's interesting too is with Eddie Steve is trying to encapsulate the fear of a hypochondriac someone right. who is terrified of getting sick and of dying and just not of falling ill and right. it, and it just it is so it is so boring and pedantic to actually like real like to read about when it's been realized right Um but and I think that that's just also kind of Eddie. He's a boring and hypochondriac, just kind of dumb. Don't like him. I don't like him personally.
0: Well, and again, I'm going to stay I'm going to say I think in the next section that you'll like Eddie more.
1: Um we get into this section with Bev, which is perfect. This is great. This was really really good in
0: my opinion. Yeah, I was um, going to say I think this one is my favorite of this
1: out of these ones. I do think that I do think that what's interesting with this book in particular is it always does seem to be. Well, no, I guess not in particular. Like, Eddie does seem to get a little bit of it. But Beverly is always the one subjected to the most sexualization and sexual violence. And so it's just kind of off putting when we're constantly being thrown. Uh, A 13 year old's point of view Of this sexualization And then a 38 year old's point of view And Mm -hmm. you know I mentioned this earlier I just never think like there's no need For the sexualization of a 13 year old In any form of media It's just unnecessary And I don't think that like I love the idea of love stories And I think that like Beverly's love story with Ben Is like the cutest most heartwarming thing I've ever read before and I love it I don't think that like a lot of the sexualization of her is just okay, and it's just like, what yeah, are you and thinking, I think that
0: Steve? it's okay, it's okay to have you know those um, preteen crushes, but yeah, I think he, I think he crosses lines. He, I don't think I know he crosses lines, and I know
1: that you know, and it's like you were saying though, he's in it's the, you know the height of the eighties. He's mm-hmm. crazy high on cocaine, and no one can tell him no. He can do whatever he wants. Exactly. you know, he's going to. And he wants to continue to shock boundaries and push lines. And I think that we will see more of that as this story continues.
0: We absolutely
1: will. Um, So, Bev, I do really love this part, though, um, minus what we had just talked about. Because it is to the point, quick, there's no wasted breath, and it's suspenseful as all heck. It really um, is. It's so good. And, you know, there's one bit in particular that really gets you. And uh, and, and it's great because each one of these characters has an intuition that is pretty particularly well honed. And so when mm-hmm. that intuition hits, you you can just, like, go, oh, okay. Um, at one point, she's sitting there. And she has gone to her home uh, with her uh, her old father's home. She knocks on the door, and a woman answers, and she's like, oh, no, there's no Marsh here. Uh, Your dad died, like, five years ago. I'm sorry to tell you. I'm Kirsch. And she goes, oh, okay, cool. And she's like, let me give you some tea. And so she comes in, and they're sitting there, and they're having a little conversation. And then just some little voice in the back of Beverly mind says, it did say Marsh under the doorbell. Her mind whispered suddenly, and she was frightened. So, you know, um there's two things that I think that uh, like one, it's always that like the back of your mind, your subconscious that warns you. And I think that Steve does a really great job of just like throwing that in when you're reading. So you don't you ever expect it. And so it kind of catches mm-hmm. you off guard. And then two, I think this is, you know, there's uh, there's these moments when uh, it bursts into their life. And lately he's been doing it with these practical jokes and so like as adults 28 years later you know like he's sitting there and so when like they're sitting there looking at something or they're doing something they have this thought that's like hey mister you got prince albert in the can and it's such an it's an old 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 joke and so for this it is indicative of something's coming now yes when it's happened three times in a row so you know it's something now we're going to be on the lookout for it the Book has taught us that. Yeah. Um, so we end up ending that section with Bev, uh, and and she ends up uh, going inside. And this woman is uh, Pennywise, and turns into Pennywise's daughter and says, "I'm Pennywise's daughter." Gives us mm-hmm. the most backstory about Pennywise that we get anywhere. And then Beverly runs away. Um, and we'll talk about this after we finish up because we're really close to ending, like what we've read. Right. Uh, there's not much more, so we can talk about it. But I re- will come. So remind me to come back to it, because I want to talk about it. I'm curious if Pennywise actually did try to have a daughter. If he did try to have offspring, you know.
0: <laughs> we'll come back to that.
1: I know, right? We'll, we'll hold on. Not in this episode. Uh, oh, foreshadowing. We're going to come back to that. We're not going to
0: talk about that anymore today, though.
1: <laughs> we end well, uh, that moment. With Beverly there, uh, and like I want to, we'll come back to it. There, I do want to talk about it uh, a little bit. I just, I, I also think theories.
0: it's, I also think it's important to to show that um, Beverly didn't follow her instincts. I mean, she kind of did, but then when it when it was bad, she didn't because she is so hyper focused on being polite. And and doing the things that she. She knew that she shouldn't go in, and she did it anyway. I
1: do think that one thing that Stephen King does do a good job of pointing out is just kind of the the grooming that a woman during this time period would face. Mm-hmm. You know, the way that they were forced and trained into being a specific type, or they weren't okay societally, or that they weren't normal, uh, right. according to the, like standards that were put out by society um and i think that he does a good job of like really illustrating how harmful those can be during this which is nice Um, exactly it's um and i think that that in particular the part was really scary and it's really good um and i really enjoyed that part a lot and we'll talk about like the longer lasting repercussions that it has uh here once we get through the rest of this because there's not much more richie's section here sucks It's so boring and it's so stupid and it makes sense that like it made it into the movie because like it's super funny to think about Paul Bunyan just coming to life but like I don't know. It was just... Yeah,
0: I mean yeah, Richie has his encounter that he never admitted to when he was a child. So we get this and this is really the we get both we get him talking having the memory of when he was a kid and his adult in this same section because he never told the others about this
1: right and it is interesting that like you know we're hearing it at the same time and you know it is fun too to have like the ways that his vanity is starting to bite him in the butt you know having these contacts and it's like he's destined Mm -hmm. to have to put on the glasses again um, and I do like the way, like, the format that it's written. It's just written in. It's just so... A lot of it is just unnecessary and not needed that it ends up biting itself in the butt because you can't sift through the parts that are going to be interesting and necessary while you're reading through it, and you just kind of get jumbled up with, like, an unnecessary host of information.
0: Right. Um,
1: then we go into Bill, and Bill, uh, actually, his... Uh, he does kind of like... It Very really reminds me of Hodges in uh, Mr. Mercedes. You know, he goes around. He's just walking around chatting with everyone. Um, yeah. Trying to see, like, what everybody's doing and, like, what they think about and everything. And he ends up talking to this kid um, who says that he does hear voices in the drains and stuff. Um, and he finds out a lot of stuff. And it's a lot of... Uh, Bill's mind works like a writer's mind. So, you know, it's right. just... It's rolling, and it's going, and it's going, and it's going, and it's going. And I think the one thing that Steve does do a good job is point out that the way that these different people have different perspectives and narratives, like we were talking about. And I do think that that's good. The problem comes when they aren't all... It's like, you know, we both do theater, right? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like if we had seven really, really great actors, but they're all doing different... Shakespeare shows
0: well or they're all doing different versions of the same Shakespeare show
1: yeah and it's like they're looking nobody... at it only
0: from their perspective and not as a cohesive unit. right
1: and so right. in in reality that does make sense but when you're reading a book or you're writing a book you need to have that cohesive unit so that way it makes sense when you write all these pieces down together and I think that that's part of what's missing in this so while I am saying that the narrative of each character is solid and is written well, the overall narrative arc of the book is lacking, is what I'm trying to say when I talk about those things.
0: Okay. I can um, I can see that.
1: Yeah. So, conveniently, uh, Bill is pointed in the direction of a pawn shop, and lo and behold, shouldn't it be that his bike from 28 years ago just happens to be in this pawn shop? So he buys his bike and he takes it to Mike Hanlon's house. And lo and behold, Mike Hanlon just happened to buy a bike patching kit two days ago for $7.
0: Right. That he, you know, didn't even own a bike, but
1: and just lo felt and like behold, he was supposed
0: to. Huh.
1: After 30 years, he remembers how to fix a bike. That part yeah. was the biggest stretch for me personally. I was like, you're not going to remember that after 30 years and no internet. That doesn't make any sense. Um But they end up getting the uh, bike fixed, and they're sitting there chatting about stuff. Um, and they kind of end up... Uh, they give us a real big foreshadowing moment, and I think that mm-hmm. it's going to really hit uh, it in the head later on. And I, so I want to hit it here. Um, and he says... Um, He thrusts his fist against the post and still insists he sees a ghost. And so he sees the ghosts. And Bill is saying this, and uh, Mike is like, what is this? And uh, Bill is like, what's this? And Mike is is like, you don't remember. Well, when you were a kid, your mom was trying to get you to say this because it would help with your stutter. And he was like, I did? And he's like, yeah, you did. Uh, He's like, you were always trying to say it Like, you must have really wanted to make your mom proud But you can never get it right And then Bill says, no, I did get it right once And he's like, Mm -hmm. really? And he's like, but just once I don't remember when And that is the last we hear Of our loser squad Right, Uh, in this section In this section of the novels Because chapter 12, this very short section Before we end the section here Is these the characters that still exist in this story. And I'm not going to lie. I'm reading through this. I'm just going through these books. And I'm like that three uninvited guests. Like, Ooh, what's this going to be about? Didn't think it was going to be about three bullies from modern day adult life. That sucked. Really Mm -hmm. brought me down a lot. Um, So the first one is we find out Henry Bowers. Um, I really enjoyed that. Henry Bowers ends up going down for all of the murders in fifties and he gets pinned for all of the murders of the kids and that's great so he ends up going to uh, crazy town prison and he is like you know what though i'm gonna get out of here and so he wakes up one day and pennywise shows up underneath his bed and he's like hey do you want to leave and he is like you know yeah i do want to leave and so pennywise is like all right cool let's get out of here and then pennywise just murders everybody so they can leave making me question once again Why does Pennywise mess with these 10-year-olds? Why does he, like, like, what is, there's got to be some specific, like, electrical, like, fascination between, like, humor and laughing and comfort and fear. You know, it always seems to be, Mm -hmm. like, there's, like, this, like, comfort before the fear before it strikes. Maybe there's some, like, kind of, uh, uh moment um i also think that during this at some point it mentions uh the uh town in texas that has uh, calm toxins in it uh, yeah from just, the um... from the stand um which is interesting and uh once again confirms the theory that this is in fact a prequel to the stand um 100% i am convinced of that and we will talk about that more Mm -hmm. so Henry escapes prison and then uh, we meet up with uh, you know honestly I didn't think that there was going to be characters that I hated as much as some people Uh, I really hated Julie for example she was the worst she was Um, the worst Tom it turns out I hate Tom Tom sucks a lot
0: He does. He's a horrible, Um, horrible person.
1: Yeah, so Tom ends up going, and uh, for 30 pages, unnecessarily, just more female violence. uh, And he just beats the heck out of Beverly's friend until she tells him. And I'm not saying that it's not unnecessary for the story. It is necessary for the story to show how awful Tom is, and that Tom does that to him. It's not necessary to make it 15 pages, it's not necessary to tell young women every day that could read this book that like, this is like what happens to women all the time. And it just kind of in a terrible, awful way, like makes it a possibility for a man out there and a woman out there that would have never let that cross their mind. Um, And it's just not that negative representation like that just isn't good. Um, I'm not great at it, like, I'm trying to figure out the best way to explain, like, my gut But I understand what you're saying. Yeah,
0: it's, it's really, this is another section, it's It's too much. It's it's a lot. It's so much cocaine, Kim. It is, it is. It's so
1: much cocaine. Uh, And, like, that's the thing for me on this one, is it's just, like, man, I am glad, like, when he got hit with the editor on the stand, he must have, like, read through it, like, after he sobered up a little bit and went, yeah, that makes sense. He didn't get hit with an editor on this one. So he never had to sober up, reread through it and go, yeah, that makes sense. Maybe there didn't need to be some of this stuff. And, you know, we're going to get to some of that stuff, I think, in the next section. But simultaneously, as these two awful people are coming into town, uh, Bill's what seems to be pretty, like, precious, nice wife, Audra, is also coming into town. Yeah. And she uh, comes into town and um, she ends up staying in the hotel right next door to Tom, and they end up parking right next door to each other. In fact, and as they are both par- sleeping that night, it says Henry is sleeping in the porches, waiting for the Losers Club, just waiting. And uh, mm-hmm. eventually, he's going to hitchhike into town, and that's where we stopped reading for this section.
0: Yep, this was a this was a whopper of a section, and. Oof. 375
1: pages. You're welcome, everyone. And so much
0: happens.
1: (laughs) So much happens and so little happens.
0: And so little happens, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a whole lot of information in...
1: It's just crazy to think that, like, this is the same man that wrote different seasons because it's like he can get so much across in 120 pages and then in that same 120 pages here he's just wasting breath after breath after breath with inconsequential nonsense that does not move the plot in any way.
0: Well, and we talked about a four page story in our bookmark the other day and how much was in just that four pages. Mm -hmm. And we have 400 pages. And I think this book is
1: really incredible. And I think that the thing about it is the things that he is choosing to include they do create a more meaningful emotional connection to these characters yes my main argument is if you've already if we quantify this right and we put it at like a hundred and for every couple of references you get 25 points and eventually you get my emotional connection bar up to a hundred if we're 13 chapters in we're on page 700 or something 640 like that you Mm -hmm. don't need to keep adding moments you don't need to keep adding numbers to that stat to that bar it's full at that moment I already love Ben a lot I don't need 15 pages of him in his childhood library now Like I've already got the love for him. If you really feel that that is the most important part to include, then we find the trim in the childhood section and we make that 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 equal. I do think that that is the thing for me now is I don't have the full depth of the whole story. So I don't feel that that equity between the two sections.
0: And and I can understand that. And I feel like this last 500 pages or so, when everything wraps up, yes, there is some of this that's too meaty. There's some of it that could have been trimmed or too fatty. It's not meaty. It's fatty. Um, There is some of it that could have been trimmed out. But, you know, at the same time, I think that, you know, I mentioned it earlier. He was kind of flexing his muscle. You know, it could have been trimmed, but you know what he didn't have to because he had to be he got to have this this power. And once he got sober and he still had all that power, for the most part, things have He hasn't written another book that's this big.
1: Mhm. Well it seems like any book that he's going to write that would be this big he's breaking it up into trilogies. I'm sure that's also like in part because of a uh, you know his uh publishers, but I think that he's smart enough to know to to break it up a little bit more now too.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um so any uh thing Reading through it again, this time, that, uh, you know, we did have that mentioned at the beginning. But uh, anything else that you've noticed, like now that we've talked about it a little bit more, that you're like, oh, uh-huh.
0: you know, I noticed that maybe I don't like Eddie as much as I thought I did. Although, once we get to the end, I he, he comes back around. I can see where your problems are with Eddie in this first mm-hmm. part of it, um, and. You know, I love Bev's strength.
1: What is your favorite part? during? The, what was your favorite part during all this last section?
0: In this last section? Try to be <laughs> as
1: specific as possible. If you want, I can go first, too.
0: Yeah, you go first.
1: Right. So just because I have a really good one. My most specific moment that I love the most during all of this is with adult Richie. And he is being scared at the moment at, during uh, his bit with uh, Paul Bunyan and everything. And then there just gets to be a point where he's like, I'm done being scared. I want to go take a nap. And <laughs> it was just so good and relatable because there's so many moments where it's like, there's, and for me, I guess, like I've never been in that such a high level of fear. I do feel like I've been in a comparable like level of like, adrenaline or stimulation and uh you know I've been like I want to go take a nap I'm done with this but just the thought of him being like I'm going to go take out my contacts I'm going to go lay down I'm going to take a nap
0: yeah I'm, I'm going to get a refresher here yeah I yeah. like that too yeah, that was I th- I think that in this section the part where Ben finds his power as a and oh, his connection yeah. Mm.
1: Hmm. Real good. Yeah. Real good, real
0: good. I love that because, to me, Ben had to have that power, and he had to, and just all of the circumstances surrounding it. You know, he he did it to. I feel like he did it partially to impress Bev but yeah,
1: for sure, for sure,
0: but. It didn't matter what the catalyst was that got him there. When he found that power and stood up, it just, it was like a, a switch flip for him.
1: I would really argue that the power uh, was more Bill inviting him to come hang out. Like, really just like validating his existence almost. Just telling him, like, Ben, it's okay that you exist. It doesn't matter that you're a little chubby. Like, you still are worth existing. And right. That, yeah. Like, you know, Bill gets that stark, and then Bev is just like the little. The pretty little like fan that mm-hmm. like stokes it constantly yep um so i got a couple of like yeah here are some theories right i do think that like pennywise has tried to live as a human being before and i i like the idea that it was this bob gray person and that he mm-hmm. lived at with the the the, the, the but uh, circus, and I think that that's great. I think that that is perfect. It explains why he would take the form of a the clown so much. It's why he relates so easily with humans so much. I do think that as he was a clown, he must have fallen in love, and he got a ta- a little little taste of that uh, that sweet that sweet human love that uh, that so many have fallen to. Even Randy himself has fallen to that sweet sweet human love, and mm-hmm. uh, once again. If we are confirming that this is a prequel to The stands, like I've been saying, that would mean that this is Randy uh, trying to figure out how to give birth to children. And so if he spends this entire novel as Pennywise trying to figure out how to give birth to these kids and then figures out he can't by pushing them out of his butthole like he talks <laughs> about... Um, you know, it, it it just, like, confirms, like, okay, how does he give the kid? That's when he realizes how he has to give birth to a child in the stand, and he re- gives himself, he gets reborn through the controversies and the negative opinions of all of the rioting and those political movements and everything, instead of being reborn through the small-town fears of this little town in Derry. Um, I'm, this is for sure, 100% convinced, steve verse lore... Um, the only person that can refute this in my head is Stephen King himself. And one day, uh, he'll get a chance to.
0: <laughs> okay. Um,
1: so I do think that that's what he's doing. I do think that all of the souls and stuff are still a chance for him to break that dimensional barrier or them to break that dimensional barrier and get through. Um, they float. They didn't really say much about that. Um, the ritual of Chud got mentioned, which was cool. Uh, I do think it'll be interesting to see how that comes into play. Um, And I do think, uh, you know, there is some interesting, like, uh, stuff to be said. I am excited to find out more history of dairy. It's very interesting. Um, I don't know if you've read much. uh, There's a Batman series that claims that there's a demon underneath a Gotham. And I think most of 2021 it's been retconned and it doesn't exist anymore. But the idea that there's, like, this malevolent force underneath a city has always been super interesting to me. And I think mm-hmm. that that's kind of what it is building to.
0: Absolutely. Um, it absolutely. I mean, he tells you that, like, in the very beginning. The haunt. 100%, yeah. The haunting. Yeah. 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 Um,
1: and it's great. And I think, like, uh, one thing that we've really glossed over... Um, is the way that he explains these landscapes that have evolved after 27 years it's very fun and interesting and I think that anyone who has had a time where they've gone back to a place where they've grown up after a number of years has had this before
0: yes, absolutely they have you know you can you can see what was there but it's all new and different and it's it's just a weird feeling, and I like the fact that you know Mike picked a place that was. I'm going to use quote unquote neutral ground here, mm-hmm. because it was a place that didn't exist when they were kids.
1: Yeah, so there's no for negative their their meeting. So
0: there's no nev- negative memories attached or positive memories for that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the fact Emotions. that Pennywise even yeah the, the fact that Pennywise even made an appearance in that neutral ground right off so
1: so um if you agree with everything we have to say you hate everything we have to say and you're somewhere in the middle um whatever it is thank you for listening um my name is Otto mullins
0: and i'm kim payne
1: and this has been our first time through pages 290 through 646 of the book it by our lord our liege mr stephen king thank you so much for listening
0: come back next week for more
1: yeah next week uh we'll be doing more stuff uh, you've probably already turned it off at this point but just in case you haven't next week we're gonna be doing a bookmark about your biggest theaters all right bye now
0: bye now see you later
1: for through new eyes on castle rock is created by Otto mullins and kim Payne. our art is done by kurt Payne at who knew art and our music is done by jason rager everything's original and incredible if you'd like to support us or any of our artists please get in touch with us or go to our patreon and please pledge all of that money directly goes to help us produce more shows and we're so thankful for it thank you for listening